If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome to Occupy's Cast on a Tuesday. It's, uh, Russ, what do you got going on today? Well, I was going to talk about baseball, but then something very important happened. And okay. this is a really important subject. I can't stress enough how important this is. Kit Kat apparently coming back out with a pumpkin Kit Kat. <laughs> now, I didn't even know they had one last year because, again, the market got so flooded, you can't possibly keep up with it all. But so I looked at it and it has pumpkin cream. And I just can't think of anything worse. Like pumpkins were not created to make pumpkin cream out of them. They just weren't. That's not why they're on the earth. <laughs> Is it like the pumpkin spice latte argument? It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. I think it's worse. No, no. You gotta, you gotta, you have to remember, Ack. You know when when the, the pumpkin spice flavored Oreos, oh, out, or yeah. pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice flavored like coffee. Now that one's at least acceptable because you know people like pumpkin spice lattes. So I see where they go. But to make everything pumpkin spice, pumpkin <laughs> spice candles. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know the next thing is going to be the cricket cat. You know, it's like people at Kit Kat are out there, of there's a bunch of like uh, when my, my wife came back from Korea last year. They have a bunch of them over there that just even like crazier ones. Didn't you know, she like, cat? Like they yeah. have wasabi and you know and all kinds of stuff over there. So they've got all kinds. You of know things. what? I'll even give wasabi over pumpkin. Nobody wants to eat pumpkin cream. It's just it sounds gross. Yeah, I, like I'm I'm fairly daring when it comes to like different. Uh, Potato chip flavors and Lay's does does their variety of potato chips and there's a I, I don't know I can't remember the name of the company but they do kettle 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 chips and they do wasabi ranch and like okay I would try it just to see how bad it is and then yeah. never never go again but really the only thing pumpkin I like is the pumpkin shaped. Reese's peanut butter cup that they sell at Halloween because it's not pumpkin. It's right. <laughs> it's just a Reese's peanut butter cup pumpkin. Right. Shape. It's shaped like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, I mean pumpkins really aren't like you know really. I mean they're. I mean pumpkin pie is about it, right? There's not like really any like serious like pumpkin. I mean there are. It's made. It's not like a. It's not a for the size of it. It's not a whole lot to eat in a pumpkin. Right. It's really more of a decorative thing. It is more of a decorative thing. It does take a lot of pumpkin just to do anything. But, yeah. But like what Mike said. If Reese's ever f's with with the peanut butter cup, you don't want to be around that day. They've already they've already done that to an extent. Not to no, change, no, not pumpkin. No, 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 not not to change the flavor because in the it, the heart of the Reese's peanut butter cup is the peanut butter. You right, can't right. screw that. But they've done everything else. It's white yeah. chocolate on the outside. It's dark chocolate. It's now Reese's pieces mixed into the to the peanut butter. Can you just leave it alone? It's good. <laughs> You know, I listened to a podcast called um, Stuff You Should Know, which is a really one. It's one of the top podcasts out there. Um, you'll see it. I don't know if you ever, ever listened to it, Russ, at all? I have not, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So Stuff You Should Know, they basically take like anything, any topic at all and just go into it. You know, like there was one the other day on, you know, 
the, on, on the the la- the latest one is about the move incident in Philadelphia, where I remember they dropped a bomb on the uh, the, the the remember this restaurant we were younger there was a group of people like hauled up in a philly apartment like a like a cult type thing called move and the philadelphia police dropped a bomb on the house oh no i didn't know about that there was a whole big fire yeah this is i mean it's back in the 70s anyway stuff you should know is really interesting and they got the other day they got into one of the more interesting topics that i've ever heard which is tortilla chips and the beginning of tortilla chips okay which is like um which is kind of bizarre because i think of tortilla chips as being around forever you know that they were always like something that always existed Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they really didn't. I mean, they, they talk about how Mexican food is really a very new thing. And, and even they said, uh, even in, oh, it's not, no, no, no. But in America, okay. even, tor- but even tortilla chips, tortilla chips were invented. were an American thing, but, right. um, they were invented in, in this, in this one small place, this Frito del Casa, which was, which was a, which was a, which was a restaurant in Disneyland, Florida. Mm. Um, where, and which is where they invented Fritos that's, and then, and then, and then somehow someone took like the old tortillas that were, and, you know, fry them up and they ended up with this tortilla chip thing. And, uh, cause like, you know, now like salsa and tortilla chips, it's a commonplace thing for everybody. Um, but when we were kids, you know, no, we're not too old, but you know, that salsa didn't exist. I mean, I don't remember. Do you think the tortilla chip came in? What year? Uh, the year that they were, they were saying like, it actually was like mid to late, like mid nineties in that range. No, nineteen forties. Well, yeah, but I mean, in, in like, in like popularity, like in the Los Angeles, 1940s, 1940s in LA. Well, okay. Let's just say this. Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah. But the, the, it took, a, it took forever. In everywhere in the United States. Okay. I'll give you that. But yeah, when- I mean, it took, there was not, they, they said in that the year 2000, there were very, very few, like they said something like two or three. Mexican restaurants in New York City. Like that's how like New York City Mexican restaurants think about that. Really there aren't there weren't any. And about and, five thousand Italian restaurants. No, yeah. uh, no, no, this is the thing. When when we were kids, so we were talking mid late seventies to eight to early eighties, um, there was one flavor of Doritos. One. Not, you remember plain Doritos? Nacho cheese. No, there was nacho cheese, and then they came out with plain because no, I mean, plain was first. Plain was first. Plain was first. I don't remember the plain. Plain no, was first. Plain I remember plain Doritos. Doritos were like they were the that was the first mass produced tortilla chip. Yeah, and that was in the eighties. And, and then they came out with taco flavored ones. And yeah, then, right, right. Taco, then nacho, then taco, and right. now there's like a couple hundred thousand different kinds, and right? And then the Cool Ranch. No, it's a weird dynamic because on Long Island. Mexican food as a, as a whole didn't really exist for a long time, right? Yeah. And then I remember just when even like a Taco Bell came in, my dad wouldn't go there. Yeah. And, and we finally would all go there behind his back, and then he would finally give in and go. But yeah, tortilla chips in my house didn't exist. Like it was potato chips. It was anything. Oh, yeah, no, we, salsa, home. which is like, which is salsa didn't exist forever. I mean, none of us had I salsa growing tortilla up. Tortilla chips as much as anybody. So it is funny how they've gotten popular. But it looks like Fritos stole it. From this place called Benito's, who invented it in the '40s in in the LA restaurant scene. Yeah, so. like you have to, I have to give you the podcast. Like they get into that the details okay. of that whole thing. Yeah, um, and it was yeah, it, it basically it became I huge. Like like that. I do. Yeah, no, it's really fascinating. It's it's a real. I'll send you the podcast. It's really well done. Um, and it gets into the whole thing. And you can still buy online. If you go on Amazon, you can still get plain Doritos. Like they still exist. They yeah, still they still exist. exist. I mean, I don't know why someone would. Because Doritos are so, yeah, they're, they're so, like, I, I mean, I haven't had a Dorito in a very long time. 
I will say it like this. To me, the only two Doritos that even exist, and I wouldn't eat them a lot, but I eat them once in a while, are either the nacho cheese or the Cool Ranch. If if you get a plain Doritos, you're just doing yourself a disservice. Like there's so many better tortilla chips out there. Otherwise, the the reason you get unless the- you're dipping. Because like my, I don't like dipping like nacho flavored things into uh, things. The reason you get the cheese is because it's like crack, and it tastes really good when you start, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's just oh, like great. Wow, I agree with that. It's like there's there's etiquette when you have like chip dip. You cannot have something like a nacho cheese and dip that into a chip dip. No, that would, that would be great. get the cheese all over the chip oh, dip, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, someone in the chat room says we should do pumpkin spice Doritos. There you go. That's that's putting it all together, guys. Yeah. If you have a plain chip though, my go-to plain chip is not going to be Doritos. No, it's Tostitos or something. That. No, no, no. I'm going to go fancier, more organic, something stone ground, something Doritos doesn't even do. How about I'll the tell you what, and um, and I'm not a big fan of Whole Foods at all because it's just ridiculously expensive. It is. We nicknamed it Whole Paycheck around here. We don't use it. We don't go to Whole Foods. Um, but um, and they say, you know, what's a group of group a group of Democrats? What, what do you call a group of Democrats? That's a Whole Foods. Um, but um, no, but yeah, the Whole Foods, um, their their chips that they make in there in the place, like you can buy them in the plastic bags. Yeah, they're good. Those are ridiculously good. Yeah, actually, Trader Joe's are real good too. They're they're probably the same kind of thing. My favorite Doritos are salsa verde. Really. Wow. Yeah, taco, taco are my favorite favorite. Salsa Verde is my second favorite. Okay. Taco, wow, interesting. All right, let's get into hockey, guys. I know, I know, everybody's like, you know, the Dorito talk could go on for hours, but we should stop. But yeah, no, it's pretty good. All right, here we go. Ready, guys? Here we go. You can't just talk about one. I know you can't just talk about one. <laughs> I was one in one of my long driving trips recently when we were coming back from the west. Um, I was trying to stay up late at night, and I had the first time I've I've bought a bag of Doritos in probably 10 years because I was just a rest stop to try to stay awake. I bought a bag of Doritos and it is crazy. It is crazy how addictive they are. All right, here we go. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. I'm not Mitch Marner. (laughs) I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching hockey buzzcast on hockeybuzz.com. You can drink if you had Mitch Marner and you're playing the Mitch Marner drinking game. Um, Watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday, as long as you guys want us to keep doing every Monday through Friday, um, to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And, um, yeah, we got a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things to get into today. We've had some stuff happening here. Um, well, but the one thing I want to start with, I mean, we have to start with the signing that we had today. Yeah. Um, which is not, like, I wrote today, and I honestly do believe this, might be the best signing of the summer. Like, might, might go down as one of the best signings of the summer in retrospect. Like, um, and Colton Sisson signing for less than $3 million a year for seven years. Well, Russ has a little bone to pick with that. And, I, and I'll, 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 I'll say this, just to, just to start off. Mm-hmm. The AAV on this contract is $2.85 million, which is respectable. Yeah. Um, the term is ludicrous. And we looked at the record of David Poyle. Uh, when it came to long-term contracts, and this is par for the course, the the, the Johansson deal, the uh, the Ryan Ellis deal, the the deal for uh, 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 Victor Arvidsson, he likes the long-term deal when he gets a an AAV that's favorable. Yeah. But for some of these players, it's a it's a good move for the team. Arvidsson at four and a quarter, a guy who scored 
close to 30 goals or over 30 goals three times in the last three years, that's great bang for the buck. But, Russ, you look at the stats of Sissons, you look where he is, what age, and then you see seven years, and that's where you know somebody could have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's a good, gritty player. He's good on face-offs. He had a career year last year. And I think, again, this is – we've talked about this a lot in the last two years, players getting these sort of ridiculous term deals when they have a career year. I don't think he's ever going to get more than 15 goals. I don't. I actually think he's a complete uh, product of the Peter Laviolette system. That's what I honestly think. might be. I mean, he, 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 I mean, remember this thing. I mean, I always think of him as, you know, the guy who got the hat trick against the Anaheim Ducks, right? In the yeah. playoffs. And that was the enormous, enormous moment for, for Nashville. So there's some, there's some history there. He does. He absolutely does. He has, I mean, he, I, what I, why I really like this is I honestly, I'm not a Colton Sissons fan. I, I think he is a product of the system, but I also think he's that rare kind of player that can play on all four lines for you, you know? And, and uh, and he you know he can step up the first line. You're not going to want him there every night, but he can step up and and he does play better with skilled players, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet he can also play third or fourth line minutes, which is and a lot of guys who are top who are t- who are those guys who can play well with skilled players on the top two lines struggle on the third and fourth line. You know he manages to find he manages to get his points there. He obviously this is this is this only happens because of the kind of like trust that David Poyle is put together in that city i mean this is really has so much to do with that i mean it really does like that poil you know i mean that player would do this i mean it, you could it's an it's an interesting i mean it to me it's it's crazy. i don't even know i'll be honest i don't even know if i'd want him on my team in three years like i think yeah. this deal you're going to look at the same as tourists the same as johansson and no three, no because it's under three million i mean in three years anyone oh, making under three million dollars hear me out that's the knee-jerk reaction. It's under three million bucks. You get three guys like that on your team. Right. Now you got a problem because the cap doesn't go up as much as you'd like anymore. It just well, doesn't. And I think everything with Nashville right now, everything, every move, is through the prism of signing Roman Yossi to a new deal. Oh, and no question about it. In this instance, I think what Poyle is looking at is, I can get. If I give him more term, I can spread out the AAV a little more. And probably if it was, if this is a three or four year deal, he's probably making over three, maybe 3.2, 3.3, something like that. I can spread it out for seven years. I can get it under three. That creates more space for Yossi. And if, as Russ says, after four or five years, he's not serviceable any longer. The buyout is not. I figured it out. The if if you if you take the if he say he's four years and they buy him out. After, for three years left in the contract, the the buyout would only be under a million bucks, but yeah. it, would, it would be for six years, which isn't cap crippling. So I think that's what they're looking at. But I look at some of the other deals that Poyle has done, and I, again, the Johansson deal I questioned the the, the Ellis deal, who's now tw- I think he's twenty seven, twenty six or twenty seven. You know, he'll be 30, 33 or thirty four at the end of that deal. I mean, some of these, some of these long-term deals. A lot of these teams do not want to go seven or eight years anymore on some of these players, and that, that's probably the, the battlefield that's going to happen when we talk about a new CBA. But I think this is this is one of the smartest moves by an agent in a long time. Um, like well, you know, I don't have to do anything now for seven years. It's great for him. Doesn't do anything, and the player. If you're a player in the NHL right now, with like you've got you've got, you've got lots of great young talent coming up. You've got. You know the expansion coming on. 
you you really i mean he could end up an expand he could end up he could end up a member like like uh matthew said in the chat room he could he could end up a member of the seattle kraken you know um you've got all, there, there's all sorts of things you have going going on with this thing to me it's just a, it's an i'm i am shocked that more players in colton citizens area don't do this don't well, sign it, this is not this is not an unprecedented move though i was talking talking to russ before the show it's like look at the two contracts that the islanders signed with uh uh, Adam Pellick and uh, Scott Mayfield. They're both five, six-year deals, like yeah. under, close to or under $2 million for defensemen. Look at the Brandon Tanev deal, which I didn't think was a particularly good one for the Pittsburgh Penguins, 3.5 times six years for for a, a third-line energy forward. I, I, I'll say this much. In the defensive market, it's a lot tougher market. Now, yeah. third-line center – you should be able to draft a third line center, but you know what? Nashville has not been able to do that. But you're, you're not going to be able to get a third line center for under three million dollars three no, years. No, no, no. Draft him at if, if I'm signing a guy for seven years. Okay, so you're saying you you get a guy on his like entry level and get him to the NHL before this deal is up. But the problem is, I just looked at Nashville. They have not done a good job drafting centers other than Sissons. That is that is a blind spot problem in the organization, and so now. Sissons is the beneficiary of it. Yeah. And I, I said it in jest before, but I'll, I'll say it again. David Poyle's not going to be around when this contract sours. I mean, you know, unless he wants to general manage until he's 90. Uh, and I'm, you know, it just, it, you have, it's a seven-year deal. And more than likely, you know, Poyle being a veteran guy, I don't think he's going to be around in seven years in terms of being general manager. He'll be alive. No, hold on. He'll be alive. He'll be alive. That's why I was specifying. I'm saying GM of the Predators. Now, sorry, David. I don't want to say that you were going to shuffle your point. You're offing David Poyle. No, no. Um, I, I know he watches the show, and I don't know what to I'd be happy about that. Um, no, no. no. I, I, with David Poyle, I wouldn't put anything back. I mean, he – they they just he absolutely seems to be able to he'll he'll be the GM GM for as long as he wants to be the GM in that town. But I'm just worried if Laviolette's not there in the next year or two, they bring in another coach. Yeah. I'm not sure Colton Sissons is worth this. No, that's and true. Everybody thinks it's a low cost, but it's a low cost until you have a guy that you don't know what to do with after two or three years, and you got four years left on a deal. Yeah. That's and the problem. And they have history with this, and I, I, I'm looking to see if I can find how long the deal was. But you remember when they signed Paul Gostad after he had, had traded for him from Buffalo? They signed him to an extension. I think it was four years, may have been five. But the thing was, they signed him to an AAV for a third, fourth line face-off specialist defensive yeah. center that was out of whack. I think it was over three million bucks. And about yeah. two years into that deal, he was done. And yeah. that they got, they were stuck with the, with the extra years on that contract. So you have to be careful. And the one thing Sissons is 25 years old. So a seven year deal will take him to age 32 or 33. Right. But you know, I'll be honest. I mean, and Mike and I talked about this off air. I don't want too many players locked up beyond the age of 29, unless they're a superstar. I really don't. Or, or an all-star every year player where, you know, okay, you know what? This guy is definitely not falling off. Right now, you look at guys in this league, Act. the minute they hit 29, things start to get rough for the average NHLer. No, that's true. That's true. That's very true. But he's, Sissons has speed, which is important. Like that, you need to be fast to keep going. Yeah. Um, Gosted's contract was four years at three and a quarter million. And they were one year, it was bad. You're getting a 30 point scorer, you know? Like, I mean, last year, I mean, you could say it was his best year ever, but he also missed seven games. Um, he got 30, he had 15 goals, 15 assists. 
straight up, you know, plus 20, which is a good number. Sure, um, he hadn't had 15 goals for the rest of his career until last year. No, he did. I mean, he had nine the year before that, eight before that, four before that. I mean, not much more than 15 goals. Granted, I'm not, I'm not okay, saying let me ask you this. Heck, would you have signed Scott Lawton for a seven-year deal? Yeah, at this, at this price, I actually would. Okay. I, 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 I mean – I shouldn't have asked you. No, 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 no. I, I am. Fine, you're you know, on. No, you're I mean, on. You would, okay, I'm, Lawton's not in Sisson's category. Okay, but. But he's pretty close. I mean, he's. He, but he hasn't put anywhere close to those kind of numbers. Like he had twelve goals last year. Like, what are you looking at? Twelve goals, fifteen goals. I mean, in the playoffs, you know, Sisson's in, in twenty sixteen seventeen put up, you know, had twelve points and had, you know, I, and in we talked about those playoffs. That was a magical playoff run for that team. Even Freddie Goudreau looked good in those playoffs. Where is Freddie Goudreau right now? But the next playoffs, he also, oh, no, he also put up points. You know, like I know, I know, but he also put up points in the following playoffs. I mean, he has consistently scored points. I mean, he's way more a consistent scorer than Scott Lawton. I mean, I think he's a little better. I don't don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, I think this is a bad precedent to set because. It's a bad precedent to set in and ter- not in terms of Nashville, but in terms of the league, where you're going to have role players, you know, coming up and say, "Yeah, they're going to say, okay, you know," and some teams might be willing to do it. It's like you know, if, if you got a player who's an effective, you know, second, third line, third, fourth line guy, you like him, he's young enough, you know, they're going they're going to now ask for six or seven years. Some teams don't want to go even with their star players more than five. So it, it sets a precedent that could result in, you know, impasses and holdouts and things of that nature going forward. Now he was, um, if I remember right, but he was a goal scorer in, in juniors, right? Um, but he's not in the NHL. He's in, he played in, you know, I forget where he played, but he, I, I Riley, thought he was like. Riley Cote scored 30 goals in, in the minor. In Kelowna. Okay. In Kelowna um, from 2010 to 2013. Yeah. 71 goals in 180 games, right? That's yeah, 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 but you can't go by that. No, but I mean, it's, I mean, listen, if he's like a consistent, say if he can score consistently 15 goals, I mean, we've talked about like, you know, what goals are worth, you know, in the NHL, like as far as money goes, 15 goals is like, that's a $3 million contract. Yeah, but uh, to take, take his two best years as a baseline, okay, average amount of points is 28. 28 points over his last two seasons in ages 23, 24 and 25. Right. Over prime years. More than likely, he's not going to score 25 goals. He's not going to score 50 points. 30, 35 is the base, is, is where he's going to be. That I don't know if that's worth 2.8 or seven years. If you're gonna if you're gonna give him a little more money, then the term should be shorter. If you're gonna give him the length of contract, then the, then the the AAV should be maybe lower, maybe a two point five. Then it's it's more worthwhile. I think it's a little high for the you know the type of player he is. I'm not saying he's not a useful player. He is. I'm just saying that the amount and the term for where he is in his career, there is no basis for giving them that other than the fact that the team likes him and they think right. that's a good amount. I will say this, Zach. So Cote had 28 goals with the Prince Albert Rangers. He did. People in the chat room were laughing, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> no, he really did. I mean, there's no, there's no quiz about it. I mean, he, it's like there are some interesting. I mean, his playing time, Sissons' playing time. I was looking at that too. Like he, you know, he did those numbers with very limited playing time. 
You know, like he, I mean, he's not getting, he's, he's getting, I mean, and this is the thing I'll say about the predators. Cause I was, and this is what I want to, my topic I really want to get into today is about desperate teams. But, um, the thing I'll say about playing time is like the predators have one issue that is a, well, they have a couple issues that are huge. I mean, obviously Laviolette could be wearing out his welcome. That's very possible. His expiration date is usually by now. And once he hits, he hits, he hits the expiration date. It goes south very quickly with Laviolette. Mm-hmm. So, that's possible. They have Pekka Rene, who is up there, and that's an enormous issue for them that they've got to deal with. And the other thing is they have made a, for some reason or another, habit of collecting streaky goal scorers. Like, this is what they they do. They, I mean, Matthew Shane is just another one. I mean, Matthew Shane is a guy who will go, you know, 20 games with one goal and then score 10 goals in the next 15 games. And that's like, that's Matthew Shane. Ryan Johansson, same exact way, right? Um Ryan, you know, actually, um, here's what know, I worry about too, though. So last year he had 110 shots. He's he got 15 goals. The year before he had 120 shots and got nine goals. So that means this year he's going to get like 11 goals. That's but if he's playing, but it but it depends on the minutes he's playing. You know, like it depends how healthy they are. Minutes? Are you really going to give Colton Sissons more than 16 minutes a game? No way. It depends who gets hurt. I mean, it, it really comes down to injuries. I mean, that that and the point is you can though. The point is that you can be given that kind of minutes. In his regular role. I, I think it's okay to have like some of your third and fourth liners be consistent over time. You know, like I think that they will have third and fourth liners tend to be very transient players. You know, like you can see throughout the NHL, you count the amount of third or fourth liners you have on a given team and you get 20 of them in a four-year period. You know, it's just crazy. But it's it's I think it's pretty good to have a consistent one. Um, I'm not saying he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I also I do think he's way better than people um, people want to give credit to. And I, and I think Funky Funky said in the chat room, "I want Eck to be my agent if I'm a fringe NHL player." You do. That's a, I will be. You know, I, no, because I mean, the, what happens, guys? And I mean, I see. I do. My main sources are agents and players and and GMs, and so I talk. These are the people I talk to. So I can tell you that I've been saying to agents forever that contracts like this need to be signed that if you you got to do right by your player and if you you know sometimes players just have to accept the fact like Sissons is not he, he put up he had a big year put up 15 goals 15 assists for him that's a big year for a third liner that's a great year it's fine third fourth liner um it he's now cashing out in like a consistent like he's got a consistent 20 million dollars coming in over the next seven years oh, oh, oh. where if he if he puts up 25 goals this next year then people are gonna be like oh what did you do you know why did you do that well, no, but it, conversely, if he scores six goals, then everybody's going everybody's to say, uh, David Poyle, what the hell were you doing? But then, but th- yeah, maybe for one or two more years, but eventually a third liner who's putting up less than 10 goals is going to be a $3 million player in this no, contract. No, no, not, I, see, I disagree. Not in this league. I think in this league, if you want four lines of goal scoring, then your third liners now, there's going to be more expectations to score than there were in the past. And I don't think he's scoring that many goals seven years out. I don't. So I think that's where the game is changing in that way. Like there's some teams that don't even have a fourth line anymore. So if I'm a third line center now, I may want 18 to 20 goals a year. And at the reality, the reality of this league uh, right now is that your fourth line more than likely is going to be a hodgepodge of veterans who are taking league minimum and players on entry level contracts, yeah. uh, you know, because because you're paying your core players eight, nine, ten million dollars. That's the reality. That fourth line will always now in this current system will always be pieced together 
uh, throughout the season might be four or five players, uh, you know, mixing and matching. And then, you know, then they probably harden on, on a, a, a line of three players in the playoffs. But it's always going to be minimum or close to minimum salary because that it's the reality. The key, you, you, you have, you know, for a team like Toronto who, who might be paying three players, you know, over $30 million, you're yeah. going to have to have a fourth line that average that, that that you're going to pay probably less than two two point one million. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you are going to have to do that. There's no question about it. But it's not necessarily the the right way to go about it. And 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 in the NHL, we really have seen that the teams that go far that th have at least three good lines and quite often four. You know, like I mean, well, both St. Louis and Boston, perfect example. The Capitals before that. I'm not saying that the fourth line can't be good. I'm just saying it's not. Oh, you're paying be for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you might be able to get away. You might be able to get a couple bargains on your fourth line or something like that. You know, we have a Jason Spezza type character this year in Toronto, for example. You know, that right. could turn out to be. Look, look, look at what the Bruins had with the Achari and, yeah. and, and Nordstrom on that fourth line. They weren't right. big money. And Achari went to Florida because he got $1.6 from the Panthers. So he right. got a chance to make more money and he moved. He left. Uh, Thomas in the chat room brought up a good point, like um, Paquette on the Lightning, you know, 13 goals for us this last year, plus five, um, signed a two-year deal for $1.65 per year. Um, Paquette and Sissons, who would, you, who would you rather have? Paquette. Uh, Paquette on a two-year deal. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, 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 um, I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm saying I like, I I'd rather I like have the deal better. Correct. Yeah. He's making a million two less. He's 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 signed for five less years, and if he's not as good as Sissons, after next year you can after you know twenty 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 one you can find somebody else. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, there is. I'm 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 not sure. I I I guess time will tell. But I I it feels like in my gut that this is a, that this is going to be the kind of deal that really works well for both team for both for both people in this situation and it's rare that the rare that you see that because usually they're overpaying or someone's taking a discount i feel like they both get they get security and on both sides both sides need some security and i think that the predators want that security too because of the kind of situations that they have going on well i, I i'm pretty fairly sure that david Poyle has probably exhausted every phone line trying to find some general manager to take kyle Turris off of his hands because yeah, yeah no he and he's gone out of his way with Torres to try to like elevate him and um like he like last year when Torres played in the in the world championships world championships you know like i know you know he Poyle was a part of the group that he like said could help make Torres a captain of that team to kind of like bring like you know something a little bit more of a profile to him yeah, but Torres another streaky scorer. So you know, Johansson, Torres, Duchesne, um, even Philip Forsberg, a streaky scorer, right? To me, so it's like this. This is a, they don't have that you know solid, consistent scorer on Nashville, and that's a problem for them. Um, but you, but because of things like Poyle, where you look at like the Roman Yossi contract that's just ending, has been like they've gotten four years out of Yossi at like ridiculous prices. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's because he does these longer contracts when he believes in the player. So it's time to pay the piper, though. That's the well, thing. Oh, no, it is. And eventually that has to happen. But he got, I mean, with Yossi, I don't think anyone cares because they got so much time. That yeah. has worked very well defensively and a little bit offensively with Arvidsson because we looked at all these deals. But I think Nashville is at a fork in the road now where they've got to be very careful with yeah. these kinds of deals now because they're, they're aging guys. They're not necessarily going to be the same kind of contender in two years that they are now. Like those kinds of things are going to start to affect them. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, no, it is. It's good. I mean, they, this team is very much, you know, and that, that, that transitions to my, to what I want to talk about today, which is, yep. which is desperation. And because a lot of what I go through this time of year, when I'm looking into rumors and talking to people is trying to find the teams that are the most desperate, because those are the teams that are most likely going to do something. And the teams that are most likely going to step outside the box and try to find creative solutions to their issues. Right. And you know, yesterday we, I we a lot of I put up a blog in the morning, and a lot of people posted who they thought the most desperate teams in the NHL were as the day went on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, and in, I came up with ten basic things. And kind of, what are your opinions on this? That are that I think determine desperation. Like this is these are the ten things that I look at. Now I can go through them quickly, but they're right. you know, obviously number one is is what's the team's expectations, and that's you know obviously a, a team with low expectations is less desperate. Um, what are their recent successes? How have they done in the last couple of playoff runs? That matters. Or have they not made the playoffs? How long has it been since they won a Stanley Cup? That does play into it. Um, no question about it. Beyond and, that, and that stuff. instance, the Buffalo Sabres are the most desperate team in the world because they have never won a Stanley Cup. They never won a Stanley Cup. Sometimes that's different even than than how long it's been since you won a cup, though, actually, I found. Um, but yeah, Buffalo is definitely up there and one of the desperate, most desperate teams. Um, how long has the current coach been there? That plays into it as well because teams with new coaches seem to get a little bit of like a of a honeymoon period. Like in Philadelphia, you know, with Vino, what you're seeing a little less desperate than have they started the season again with Hackstall, perhaps. Sometimes it can be the opposite because the pressure's on them too. So that can play either way. Um, key players in their prime is obviously a huge thing because you that's your window and you want to make sure that you can, you know, succeed when you have key players in their prime. Um, expiring contracts, how many players contracts expire at the end of this year and how important are they that plays into like a lot of moves teams make because you know this is what we saw last year for example with columbus you know like they have expiring contracts and they're gonna they realize this is their shot the comp what's the confidence you have in your goalie you know that's a big deal right um what offseason moves did they make to address their issues that tells you a little bit of how desperate they are um and the final two are how well well have their rivals performed which i think does play into certain teams like if uh you know I know the I know if the Rangers are doing well, the Flyers are not happy about it, and you know, and you know, in Toronto and Montreal, they they have something back and forth too. Montreal definitely has a little more pressure because Toronto has succeeded. Toronto has a little more pressure because Boston succeeded, things like that. Um, and then finally, how patient of a fan base do you have? And that is, um, you know, that varies all throughout the league. And using those criteria, I came up with my top five most desperate teams, and I want to see if you guys agree with them. Okay. Um, uh, number five, I put it with Minnesota um, because the Wild, obviously, the expectations, you know, are what they are. Um, the recent successes have not been there. They've never won a Stanley Cup, obviously. Um, their coach has been there for a little while now. Boudreaux has been there a little while. Uh-huh. Uh, key players in their primes or getting close to the end of their primes in, like, you know, Suter and Parise, for example. Um, and uh, goalie confidence is pretty strong with them, I guess. Um, the rivals have, you know, St. Louis won a Stanley Cup. That's a that's you know that's the Stanley Cup comes from your division. That's always a problem, um, and the fan. But the fans are pretty patient in Minnesota. But I think they're getting there. Um, number four, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, which is like you said, and I think that there's definitely something with Buffalo, though they're getting maybe a little bit of a reprieve because of a new coach and. Yeah, but that 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 they've been this they've been through this. Uh, yeah, because their fan, but how patient their fan base is 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 definitely going to going to eliminate that to a degree. I mean, honestly, I think, and in, in covering the Sabers a little more than I than I have in the past, the 
Botterill firing of Housley was to buy Botterill more time. I get the feeling that if he had backed Housley and said, you know, he'll stay, that the ownership was essentially saying to him, okay, we'll keep him, but if he loses and, and play and the team plays as badly as they did last year, your your neck is on the line too. And he's made some good moves this summer, but I don't think that people are going to say, oh, it's a new coach, and after a, a mediocre mm. year of 80 points or 82 points or something like that, that they're going to just say, oh, they, they're showing progress. No, they, they need to win. They need to get close to making the playoffs this year, and they probably need to make the playoffs next year. And if they don't, I think Kruger and I think Botter are done. Yeah. Well, Kruger, and maybe they give one more than one year. Yeah, but. One more year on Kruger. Um, I but think I would say, I would say two, two, year, two years for both of them. Oh, and yeah, no, no. Actually, you're right. Two years, yes, you're right. Number three I have is Tampa. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that just comes, obviously, having such an epic season and getting eliminated in the playoffs, that there's a desperation there. Plus, the contract situations are getting really hazy there, and they are expiring. They have expiring contracts. They've got to deal with it. They've got to succeed now. But number two, I put is Nashville. You know, um, right, I think before, you, before you go on, so yeah, this off season again, what has Tampa really done in the off season? Yeah, and that's true. And that 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 is a you know, they, I mean, their method, their, what they're what they're obviously their concept is: we were one of the best teams in NHL history last year. Why would we do anything in our off season? Right. They cleared they cleared cap space with the trade of JT Miller to Vancouver, and they brought in some bottom pairing defensemen like Luke Shen into the mix. But oh, yeah. what have they done? Right. Shen, yeah. I mean, they've they've sort of kept their powder dry in terms of they've got to spend money on Braden Point, and you know now you know they they re-signed Braden Colburn at a cheap amount. But I think that they're you what know they're looking now two off seasons where. They haven't done much. Now, I get what you're saying, Eck. It's great to be the champion of the regular season. Yeah. Clearly, they should be doing more in these off-seasons. Well, I mean – the think so. Well, Breezebois is in a little bit of a pickle because he's got to get points signed, mm -hmm. and you know, they, they made that Miller trade to open up some more cap space. And then next year – He's got Vasilevsky to sign. That's a huge thing, and that is that is a big, big problem because Vasilevsky could become the number one paid goalie in the NHL, right? So next year's next year. Like you gotta, if you're gonna try and win the cup, you gotta worry about this year, this year. Yeah, you do have to worry about this year. And and they, they, I agree that they're in a spot as far as bringing in players, though. Like I think that what you know what Mike's saying there is sometimes you know sometimes we see. Like you just look at those teams that have cap space, and everyone's like, "Oh, they got so much cap space." But then you look at what they have to do next year, and they really they they only have cap space for one year players. Cat space. Cat space, yes. Um, number two, Nashville. And I really think that this is true. And I think Nashville, you know, is is the second most desperate team in hockey because they really have, you know, it, all, it always is this arc, right? You know, where Nashville went up, they got to the Stanley Cup finals, and then they've arced back down. Um, Minnesota's arc, you know, has been much lower. They got to the playoffs, and then they arced back down. Um, Tampa got to the Stanley Cup final and arced back down. Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs yet, you know, so in this group yeah in this group and of course the number one team has to be obvious and that would be the toronto maple Leafs because i don't um, i don't agree with that because I mean, every category that i mentioned they are almost the, the it almost plays out perfectly to their situation um the expectations what are their expectations the expectations of the maple Leafs are you so know the cup. like yeah i mean they they are they are at the point now where they were 100 point team they've gotten better every year and assuming they get marner done They'll be among the favorites. If they get Marner signed, everything they will well, be among the favorites. That, that see, that's where okay. 
the expectation is. I mean, we we heard that they were the favorite for the Stanley Cup after they signed Tavares, and anybody who knew that team, like I do, knew that that was complete balderdash. It really was. They're, they would never have won the Stanley Cup last year in spite of how much first-half success they had because their defense sucked. Right. Really right. did. Now, this year uh, they made trades, and now they actually have a, a, a respectable top four. The only problem is they don't have a fifth, uh, a five-six on that blue line, and that's something that they're going to have to address before the well, beginning. With, with the potential youth. Yeah, right. but they have they have that potentially there. I mean, it, how long since winning a Stanley Cup? Obviously, longer than anybody else. Right. Um, recent successes. Um, Three first uh, round losses. Right. Um, current coach has been there for this is his fifth season. Fifth season is a big deal. Um, yeah. He's seen progress, but you're also starting to see another thing that happens with coaches, which is like suddenly people are questioning him, and there are the issues rising about Matthews and playing time in the playoffs and all that stuff. Right. Um, Key players in the prime. I mean, Tavares, Matthews, and Marner. Um, I would say Barry, um, Muzzin, Riley, Anderson. These are all guys that are in their prime. I mean, you know, Marner and Marner and Matthews towards the beginning of their prime for sure, but they're still entering their prime. Expiring contracts, with the, as you know, with the exception of Morgan Riley, the entire defense is an expiring contract. Right, and I, I was going to write about this in the next couple of days. One of the interesting things about you know, I mean, obviously everything is focused on this year, and you know, Kyle Dubas was. Definitely influenced by Masai Jerry, the uh, Raptors general manager, and his sort of one-year approach to winning it all. And some people think that that was the uh, the inspiration for the Barry deal. Mm-hmm. If the Leafs have success this year, Kyle Dubas is going to want to sign Barry, is going to want to sign yeah. Muzzin. He just may not have the cap space to do it. They'll have more cap space next year. There are some other contracts dropping off. The thing is, again, I keep bringing up his name. William Nylander will probably have to go. Yeah, no question about that. If they're, if they're gonna sign, if they sign whatever they sign Marner for, if they're gonna sign Barry and it's anything close to the eight million dollars he's saying he wants, then they're gonna have to allocate money towards their blue line because that is the key to winning it all. That is the key to winning it all for them. I mean, then they're going to have to, and and I think Barry's going to want to stay there too. And I think that if they have the, that they figured out, it's a great fit for him. Um, I love Barry the trade. Stay where the money is. Barry's another one of these guys that wants. Yeah, to- you're probably right. Um, goalie confidence. Frederick Anderson has been solid, but he's been outplayed in Game Sevens. Um, in the playoffs, right? Been overplayed during the regular season, which That's is- because they refuse to address their backup situation. And, which- and the the PTO for Neuwirth and the recent. Heck, we didn't get you didn't get to talk about. I know that. that's a good one, and I think it's a smart move by Toronto. Yeah. I think, but I do no. But at the same time, it's a big question mark. Having lived through the Neuver situation, I mean, no. If you know, I'm not saying it's a great move, but no. P- PTO is at least you know. No, they're not. They're hey, they it's it's a free look. At least it's an, uh, at least it's addressing the backup situation slightly, like ever so slightly. You know, if he's if somebody has laid hands on uh, magically on his groin, to to <laughs> I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Many, I, I've never met anybody who's laid hands magically on his groin. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just saying. If, and again, I don't hang out in the right parties either, so I don't know. Well, um, if, if he's if he is able to, and this is the thing, if he is able to play. <laughs> Say twenty-five to twenty-seven games. That's the range to keep Anderson to fifty-five. Mm-hmm. It's either yeah. maybe even a combination of Neuvirth and Hutchinson. 
that is what they need. They <laughs> not have they cannot have Anderson playing sixty to sixty five. No, they can't. You're absolutely right. I and, and you, I want to give you the last Flyers update on Roto World for Michael Neuverth because I think it's great. <laughs> the hope is that Michael Neuverth lower body will resume skating late next week. That was January third. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's very it late next week right now. Um, January third is when he had last played. January eighteenth was when that was posted. Right. <laughs> um, finishing with this for a second. Uh, off season, they, they did make a lot of off season moves to address their issues on defense. No question about it. Plus, they cleared up space for Marner. Um, how well the rivals have done? The Bruins have done extremely well. Um, they, you know, they have, they went, you know, they were within, you know, one game of be, of winning the Stanley Cup. And you could argue that, you know, the series they played against Toronto may have been the reason they don't win game seven against St. Louis because they really, they were dead in that game. They were exhausted. That is the most tired I've ever seen a game team in the Stanley Cup final at Boston St. Louis game seven. I think St. Louis beat the crap out of them. That's what it was. They did, but they were, that was as tired as you can ever see a team. That was this, there was just. I mean, for all that was on the line, the Bruins had nothing. And it was just shows that you can do your own, they're only human. You know, it shows that <laughs> adrenaline can only take you so far. Yeah. Um, how patient of a fan base do they have is the final one. And I don't even have to get into that one. So, I mean, I <laughs> no. think every one of those categories, the Leafs lead in almost. I mean, they're, and, and I think that, you know, so, I mean, the other, there are other teams, of course, that are in there um, that, you know, people say that should be mentioned. Um, San Jose, and that's a good one. Um, as you can say, San Jose is desperate. I mean, the, the, they are one of those teams when you talk about who might miss the playoffs next year. San Jose is an interesting one to look at. Honestly, I think, and you you may say that they they deflected the anticipation because they hired a new coach. I think Philadelphia is under a lot of pressure. Oh, and I think Philadelphia is totally under that pressure. Right? No, and I, I, I desperate now because they put themselves in the situation to be desperate by yeah. by artificially moving up the you know the uh, the rebuild. And, so that- they definitely put themselves in that spot, and, and, and I'll and I'll throw and I'll throw the clown car of an organization known as the Edmonton Oilers also in there because exactly. whenever whenever you have the best player in the NHL and Connor McDavid and you're wasting his years, his quality years, yeah. incompetence throughout the organization. Now Ken Holland is there and he'll bring sanity, but the question is how long is it going to take for him to turn that organization around? And I know yeah. like. I, I think that they got the better end of the James Neal for Milan Lucic deal um, because Big Luc- time. You know, Lucic's deal was not buyoutable, but Neal's is if he, if he fails as grandly as he did uh, in, in Calgary. But still, you have to surround those great players with talent to help them. And the, those players in that organization are either too young, meaning you know Yamamoto or Bouchard or Pugliarvi, or not good enough in terms of the third and fourth liners that they have in, on, on that roster right now. They're not a good team, and the expectation that some people out there have about them making the playoffs is completely and utterly clueless. No. I, I want to tell you a desperate – I would disagree with Mike on that one, but go ahead and continue, Russ. A desperate <laughs> fan base is, is the New York Islanders. I, I was just in Brooklyn the other day. Yeah, yeah. I played some softball in 100-degree heat, but I spoke to a lot of Islander fans, mm-hmm. right? and some and some reporters and the fans they want everybody offer sheeted they want somebody to be picked up in free agency of of of, of any value they they want just york they want um sorokin like starting next year they they have all of these hopes because there's so much like, just undecided about the islanders like we've even heard with 
with the arena. Like they still haven't broken ground. Like, yeah. You know, I would have thought the Calgary Flames arena could actually get done right. before that one. Calgary Flames arena is going to get announced before <laughs> they put shovels in the ground. Oh, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, that could be done before the Islanders arena. It, but, you know, look, we're assuming the Islanders one's going to get done. It's going to get done, but it, it's okay. like it All is. These things, right, had made this fan base very nervous. And you know what? Their whole season seems to be riding on is Varlamov better than Leonard? Because if he's not, they got a problem. I know you're going to say Grice will rescue them, but I'm just saying in general, they got a problem. I'm not going to say Grice is going to rescue them, but I think I think you're going to see the same kind of situation where they tandem tandem them a lot. I think you're going to see both Varlamov and Grice, and and they should because Varlamov has a little bit of Neuvirth in him too. Like there's a possibility that Varlamov gets hurt, so you have to be careful. Right? Would you have given him four years based on that injury history? No, I really wouldn't have, and I, I, I um, I'm really still kind of surprised that they did, and I, I'm still kind of surprised they couldn't figure out something with Robin Leonard. Honestly, I don't, I don't understand that at all. It honest. does. What it, what it sounds like is that they made an offer that was insulting, like a one year deal, and Leonard said, "Go spit." Yeah, I think it was more than one. I think it was probably two or three, and he wanted four or five. To me, as the Lou Whisper that I have proven to be, um, time and time again. Lou Lamarilla just doesn't like Robin Leonard. No, that seems, that seems to hold out. Although, if you really didn't like him, why say you made an offer at all then? Right. Uh, because you have to, and because and because uh, because he did, because he did. He made an offer, but he but there was there was this is how much I like him offer, and that's it. And any more than that, you know, and okay. if, if if there and he, he probably doesn't even make that offer if Leonard doesn't like isn't up for all these awards and doesn't go the whole thing. I mean, he probably doesn't even make that offer. That's fair. I think you're probably right about that. You know, so he ends up making the offer because he feels like, well, he played so well, it would be absolutely insulting to not make an offer at all. But for whatever reason, he doesn't believe in him. And I think I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, this is like maybe one of Lou's downfalls to a degree of not being able to like look past that he just doesn't see, you know, and and you know, Leonard is such a brave and courageous guy for coming out and saying all this stuff yeah. about about, you know, his, you know, his depression and, and all the different things he's fought. So like that. But the way Lou Lamorello looks at his goalies, I don't think that that personality works with them. And I hate to say it, like no matter how much you come, no matter how much you overcome, I wonder if Lamorello is able to sit there and say, "Well, Simeon okay. Varlamov isn't exactly the patron saint of stability." That's what. Well, that's no, he isn't. But he, but he, but he is. I think, I think Lou would look at it. You know, it's so funny. Lou has this thing that he loves incredibly unskilled, hardworking players and incredibly skilled players. Like those are the two things. Like he he has a real he sees Varlamov. Varlamov has like that skill type factor to him. Yeah. He is that kind of goalie. Leonard is a hardworking goalie who does you know does a lot of stuff. But Varlamov is like a real bottom of the you know he's like he's yeah, a skill. Leonard's, Leonard's a construction worker and and Varlamov. Yeah, and and Lou when it comes to goalies, you know, I mean, we never we didn't really get a chance to see this too much because. Brodor was so obvious, right, for such a long time. And it, it just was like Brodor was such a skilled goalie. Brodor was everything. Lou loved, loved not worrying about the goalie position in New Jersey and being able to focus on everything else. Let's talk about this deal, though. So yeah. the deal is first year it's $4 million base, $2 million signing bonus. Over the course of the deal, it's a $5 million cap hit straight through, right, which, yeah. is, which is too much for him. It He's got a full no-trade clause. For 2019-20, and he's got a 16-team no trade from 21 to 22. So, 2020-21 <laughs> is 
is is the year that if he was going to trade him, now he's got a 16-team no list. He's cut out half the league. Yeah, but that's enough teams, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I mean, not for that salary. Maybe not. Yeah, you might. Be, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say, but I think that's but, enough. Teams. All right. But let's just take it for example. Let's say he doesn't have a great year next year. So the year after he's shopping him, he's still got three years left on a deal at five per. That's not the easiest yeah. job. No, it's true. And Grice is up after this year, I believe. So it would, it would make sense that they're probably going to bring Sorokin over after next year, right, Russ? It would make sense if he is willing to be a backup and Lou is willing to not have him play in the AHL, which I don't think Lou will do. I think Lou will tell Sorokin uh, not to play in the AHL. It depends AHL. how this goes with Arlamov. I mean, if, if, it, if it goes well, then That's sure. what I if it doesn't go well, then, you know, I mean, he didn't, you know, I forget how old Berdor was when he started playing in the, in the NHL, but he was not, he was, 21. Pretty, he was yeah, pretty young, wasn't he? Playing in North America, to be fair, we don't even know what Sorokin is in North yeah, America. Yeah, no, I mean, not, it's hard, it's unfair to compare him to like the best goalie of all time, but, you know, but at the same time, I think, yeah, it, that Lou wasn't afraid to go there in that situation. So if he sees Sorokin as like, again, if he's a really, sees him as a super skilled, high end talent. Then he, that's something that, you know, but he went. That, he would have signed him instead of Orlamov. Yeah, maybe. But how old is he now? Sorokin's probably 25. Yeah, he's 25, right? Yeah. Or 25. Brodeur was 20 when he started. Yeah, right. That's like that. Yeah. And he was the North American guy. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's a little different. He's 23, Sorokin. He's going to be 24 okay, and all. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely. Yeah. I mean, maybe that is the plan. Maybe, maybe he's maybe he sees him coming over this year, even somehow. Maybe I don't know. You know, it's. I, I think Varlamov's signing was. I think he's under contract for one more year. I don't think. He's okay. Gonna, yeah, twenty twenty. He's not. He can't come over. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, so and I mean, I think the Islanders are an interesting case as far as desperation goes. Their fan base has definitely been through like the emotional roller coaster, right? They they have. If they've been through, okay, we don't have a, we don't have a place, we don't have a home. We're playing and we're playing and now we're playing in Brooklyn. Now we're not playing in Brooklyn. Now we're playing back here. Now we've lost our best player. Now we got Lou Lamorello. Now suddenly we were in the playoffs all again. I mean, they've been up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. So there's no question that I can see that as a desperation thing for a de to a degree because they are really the expectations for the Islanders are they were nothing and then they got enough that there's a that you know you give you give somebody a little now they of course they won the world which is the Islanders you know they really won it all which is you can't blame a fan base for it all that's the way things work and that's the way every fan base works yeah but um but yeah they're an interesting one for sure i mean the flyers i guess you know i would say would that put them in there as well as a desperate team i agree with mike on that one definitely i think that they are and, you, and they have done that as a little self-imposed desperation but part of that also has to do with with the window of opportunity for some of the key players being in their prime still, which is well, that you know. and that and the fact if I mean again, and we talked about this uh, on the show I think last week. Look at the Metro Division, and other than Columbus, who got significantly worse, and Carolina, who I think most people think have gotten a little bit worse. Every mm -hmm. team in that division has either stayed on par or has gotten better. The Rangers are better. The Devils are better. The Flyers yeah. are better. So, I mean, if the Islanders, they maintain the status quo, which they are doing right now at, at the, at the absolute best, they're maintaining the status quo. Yeah. They're falling behind those teams. 
You know, I think the Devils with Subban, with Hughes, with Simmons are going to be a lot better than they were last year. I think the Rangers could challenge for a wild card spot in the East. The Flyers, I mean, who knows? I mean, they could be really good. Chance, I agree. The Rangers have a chance to do that if Lundqvist starts off good again because he usually does, and their um, center situations figured out. If if they do that, they probably can. Let's the, have this be our discussion point for tomorrow. Um, yeah, fine. What teams are going to make? What teams we think will make it, and what teams will fall out? Because I think that that is a fascinating one. Okay. And I, I I did it the other day. It's really it's really hard in the, in the Western Conference, especially. Um, did but, you do it on a car trip? Yeah. I mean, no, I was just you know. <laughs> did you do it on the car trip? I'm just curious. No, I'm just sitting here with my notes, working on blogs. You know, one of them was that, and I'm like, okay, because I you know I do I think. Don't agree with the Edmonton thing that Mike said earlier, throwing Edmonton out there, you know, but we'll get into that because, you know, I know I'm the Edmonton apologist. But I, I, want, I want to be convinced that what team, the oil, what two or three teams the Oilers are going to jump. Yeah, over. no, that's, that is the tough thing. And in, in, in the West, the really tough thing, like in the East, you have like the Islanders and you have the Hurricanes. You have two teams you can say, okay, they both, you know, they both made it, probably shouldn't have made it, whatever, but. I had that was great. The cat just walked right in front of the camera. Um, the theme song should be Cat Scratch Fever. But in the West, like who, who? I mean, the, the eight teams in the West all feel like they're going to make it again. Like you, they really all seem like teams that should make it again. What you do on the car trip? It's two in the morning. You're eating your Doritos. You're going around Devil's Curve, and you're like, kids, wake up. Do you think Anaheim oh. make the playoffs this year? Trust me, Russ. I would do anything to stay awake through Montana. My God, there's like some like. You're on this road that I, I've never seen this before, an 85 mile an hour speed limit. Okay, oh, yeah. so I'm driving along 85. Yeah. All right. So straight and flat. That's why. Oh yeah. Remember that you everyone's gonna drive 10 miles over the speed limit, whatever it is. Right. So I'm getting the I'm getting like the minivan up to 102. You know, like I'm like flying. <laughs> and you know, in the middle of nowhere. Oh. <laughs> everyone's asleep in the car. I'm thinking to myself, this is where this is how it ends for me. This is how it goes. I'm like, this is this is like, you know, the middle of the night, I'm driving, I'm, I'm cruising along, I'm listening to podcasts to try to stay awake. I listened to one of your podcasts, I listened to, I listened to the Hockey Buzzcast at one point to, to try to stay awake. That didn't work. Um, I continued on. There's nothing against the Hockey Buzzcast, of course. <laughs> but I was trying anything I could. Um, but yeah, it's lying, man. It was, it was incredible. Like, I, And it's funny because when I was a kid, we used to do all these trips all the time, my dad. And I remember the speed limit out there used to be, they had a sign that speed limit, and then it would, underneath it, it would say, within reason. <laughs> So there actually was no speed limit on the road. In Montana, which, I, I didn't think there was. Which you know, now now there is. There every every road there's a rule. It's a law. Every road has to have a speed limit now. Um, but they but when you make it 85 miles an hour, um, when most of the cars, you know, a lot of the cars in Montana that are driving around can't even get to 80 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it was just crazy. Oh my gosh, it was fun though. I mean, you can really make up time, like your whole concept of how long it's going to take you to go 200 miles is very different when you're driving 95 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like, it's like that's, gonna, that's a three hour trip. Now maybe it's a two hour trip. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. All right. Does the, when you, let me ask you this, when you set the GPS, does it take into account? You might be driving 85 time wise. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, no, it does. After a while, yeah. like it, it, it starts to realize you're an, you're an idiot, you know, like it's like, <laughs> it's just calculating your time, you know, like where you can go. And it's like, wait a second, man, you're right. nuts. Well, no, the, the interesting thing is since I've been doing some driving recently is that is that like uh, Google Maps and way in ways the to the two map services, um, they calculate the 
they, they had they have the speed limit on on your app, so that they calculate they flash in red lights. Oh, really? When you're going over? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's true with ways too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, I don't see that. I just use the uh, the most fun thing to do on ways, which I just did because my wife is um is she had to go um to do a business trip, so she's driving like seven hours today. She doesn't know I did this, but she's gonna find out very soon. So you can go into someone's ways and um and and record everything for like make a turn in one point oh, one no. you can record your own things um and i found this out so last night i was up really late just like coming up with the really the rid most ridiculous things it's like you know make a left here you know it's like i know you won't listen to me but make a left here that kind of thing where it's like <laughs> it's like fine if you're gonna go this way don't why'd you even ask me how to get there like i had a fun time recording all these <laughs> i like that the passive aggressive gps it was basically yeah take a question or two from the chat if there are yeah, that um you guys want to get up get up a couple questions there were a couple earlier um russ can brocco be what nylander is playing with matthews i mean honestly i think he could be really close because he does have a built-in chemistry with him and he and he does have great vision and i think his his edge work makes up for whatever speed people don't see and say he lacks and that's fine to say that but he gets from a to b really well because of his edge work so i i really do think because of that passing he he has so much familiarity with Matthews that, yeah, he would get Matthews quite a few goals, I think. And I'll, I'll say this. I mean, because a lot of people – and I noticed it in the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, you know, Brocco's defense still needs some fine-tuning. Sure. But William Nylander is not Doug Jarvis. So he's not exactly a top defensive player. He's okay. I mean, he, he he's bigger than Brocco. He's stronger than Brocco. But right. I, I – I think Brocco would be somebody who would be a defensive liability for his entire NHL career. He needs to get better at it. He needs to get stronger. But if the Leafs have to trade Nealander because of cap space concerns over the next year or two, I think they have – there's a reason they kept Jeremy Brocco and didn't trade him uh, in these deals. One, he's on his entry level. And two, he's led, he was second in the AHL in scoring. He's yeah. going to Leaf or in the NHL in the next year. That's a follow-up question that I have to this: is guys can and anybody in the chat room, if you can chime in on this as well as 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 both Mike and Russ. What is the most successful player combination that made it from like juniors into the NHL? And you know, what I mean that that like. Oh, I got it. What is like? I can't think of many, if any. Yeah, I, I got it. You know who is it? Jean Rattel and Roger Ware. Okay, so that's going back a ways. I know, but I'm just saying it's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's right. I mean, it, it's we haven't seen many though. I mean, and you think you know everybody talks about it all the time, like you know McDavid and Barakowski. They were talking about that maybe being something that they could get together. Oh, Barakowski, yeah, Barakowski, yeah. but not Barakowski. Barakowski, sorry. Um, well, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people always have connected Jonathan Drouin with Colorado because of him and McKinnon. Right. Yeah, that right. We never. And you know what's funny? We saw that in I remember the World Cup when they were both when they were both there. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I don't think Duran eventually played for some reason, but they didn't. Um, and, yeah. You know, um, the Sedine someone put out. Well, that's different a little bit. Okay, so that's yeah. their own thing. Um, Matthews, uh, uh, oh, Bobby exactly. Clark and Reggie Leach. Did they Bobby did Clark and Leach play together in juniors? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know that. I don't know that. I, I know Clark was from Flin Flon, right? So. Yeah. Well, I know. I think Leach was from Western Canada. He was from Western Canada. Yeah, but there's not like a. It's it's funny. Like you don't. I mean, you don't even see it in the NFL either. Like with quarterbacks and receivers. You know, like there's. 
Reggie, Reggie Leach played for the Flynn Flon Bombers. He did. Okay, so there you go. Good job. I did not know that. I know that either. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking for the players. I mean, you don't – it's true. I think it also is true that you don't necessarily see too many of these dynamic duos type things in juniors um, that often. But when you do, like – who was Lindros's? Lindros had one. Oh, man. I'm trying uh, to remember. And the Flyers tried to get him a couple times, and they never could. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. I'm going to go way back on this. Let's give you the stats, though. For the 59-60 Guelph Biltmores, Gilbert had 91 points. Rattel had 86. Nice. See, that's that's pretty cool. Like going back. Um, Adam Ziller, Stroman to Brinkat. That's a good one. I mean, that's like that's one that's going on right now, and that definitely has been the case, right? So yeah, that's a really good one. That's uh, that's it uh, might be uh, with Lindros. It was Rob Pearson, former. Yes, that's who it was. Yeah, and you know, like a, he was a Maple Leaf, right? And he was, um, and the Flyers tried to get him, and Rob Pearson never really turned into anything in the NHL. I give a dollar to anybody who could tell me Sidney Crosby's who was drafted and didn't make it. Oh, I know this. I've interviewed him too. I have. Don't yeah. up, Mike. No, I, I, I'm. I, I, I heard keystrokes. I know. I'm not good. If I'm looking it up, that means I can't name. Okay. Yes, that was, I like, that was just me trying to get Mike guilt, trying to get Mike in trouble by tapping my keyboard. Sorry, <laughs> Mark Antoine Pouliot. No, Danny Rusin. Danny Rusin. Danny Rusin. See, that's it's it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, and I want to say he had like 135 points. He had something insane. Well, yeah. The the one it's funny. The one in the, that I that immediately pops to mind was when Denny Savard was in uh, Chicago. They traded for a guy named Denny Sear. Denny Sear was his line mate in the queue, and he was not a he was not an NHL player, so it, it didn't work. So the guy has to be a talent enough to be in the NHL to actually work. I'll tell you one. You know, they were talking. You're talking Burakovsky. Uh, if if Connor Brown ever got traded to Edmonton, you would see yeah. something. Right. So that's like, I mean, that, that eerie otter team, right. That, that, that was that ridiculously talented team though. Well, too. Apparently, apparently Russ, the Oilers were interested in Brown, but they were Holland would not give up a draft pick for him. And because really? Holland, because Holland was not interested in giving up draft picks, which may be an, an indication that he knows that the Oilers are going to be a non-playoff team. Yeah. And doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another question. Thomas, Thomas uh, in the chat room. I doubt the devils will trade within the division, but what would the Islanders have to give up to get Taylor Hall? Not a chance. Oh uh, they would have to give up Noah Dobson. Yeah. They would have to give up uh, one of the goalies in their system. So if you don't want to yeah. give up Sorokin, you probably have to give him Soderstrom who had an injury last year, but still has, you probably have to give them one of those because they, they still need some other goalie, even if it's going to be a backup to Blackwood. Right. And, and you would have to give up a uh, a first and a second probably. Yeah. I would think that they're going to try to get him signed before the beginning of the regular season because if it gets to that point and he has a big year, then he's the then he's the biggest rental on the on the trade deadline at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, Deskin brings up that Oshie and Taze played together at, at North Dakota. That's true. Okay. And, um, but you know, obviously never played together in the NHL. Um, but it's funny, doesn't doesn't it seem like TJ Oshie is older than Jonathan Taves? It does. I, I, I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they are. I don't even know. Did they come out the same year? Were they drafted the same year? Uh, I'll check. Yeah, see if they were. But I think that. Um, um, 
Kevin Smith, um, not the uh, not the famous movie director who does actually watch the show and is a is a fan of Hockey Buzz. Kevin Smith, the movie director, the new movie coming out in a little bit, actually. Do you know they're, they're, they're doing a Silent Bob? Um, Kevin, get us in, man. Come on. I know. The Silent Bob. Um, there's a Silent Bob movie coming out. Money for clerks. Come on. What was that now? I told him I paid money for clerks. He can give me a break on the back end. Absolutely. Uh, John, uh, TJ Oshie is a year older than Jonathan Taylor. Okay, that, well, that does. He is older than, yeah. What's the, but your favorite Kevin Smith movie? You know, the... Um, I do like Clerks. I think Clerks was was great. Yeah, because it was it was very realistic. Yeah, like the realism of it. The other one after that, the uh, the female driven character one was okay. I was, that's my favorite. Um, chasing, about, what's chasing Amy? Chasing Amy. That's my favorite of them. Yeah, yeah that was okay. That was pretty good. It was okay because she was wearing a Felix Pot fan shirt. Uh, right, and anytime you get a a, a hot looking woman, even you know, even yeah. though she was a lesbian in that movie, any anytime you get a hot looking it woman, matter. it doesn't matter. In a hockey shirt, things are good. That's, That's like, true. um, I would say, um, God, what was the the movie with um, uh, with Damon and Affleck and uh, Linda Fiorentino? Dogma. 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 Yeah, Dogma is intense. I'll be fair. I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen it. I probably should. It's hilarious. I wasn't. It. Mallrats is amazing. You have to watch. I'm going to go way back. Mallrats is nuts. Mallrats has moments. I just. I like Clerks better. I Clerks think. is such a is such a great movie. I mean, Clerks is really good. Um, all right. The um. All right. So next. Oh, another another great combination. Yakupov and Gelchenyuk. Yep. That was. A, they were. Remember both of those guys. They played together in juniors. And it's interesting. Yakupov. Um. You know. Still. Oh, uh, who? And Galchenyuk. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, one more question here we have. Um, let's see. Oh, so by the way, uh, something that I heard as well, a, a little bit of update on Provorov's contract situation. Yeah. Um, that they're using Ekblad's contract as a, a model for it. Yeah, Ekblad's we heard drips of that yesterday. I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the connection there. Like Ekblad, you have to forget about the injuries because if he didn't have the injuries, we know what he would have been. There's no way Provorov will ever be the goal scorer Ekblad is. The one year he scored those goals is because there were he was pinching a lot and there were a lot of opportunities down low. Those aren't going to be there every year. And it, it depends on what you mean is by using it as a model. If they're using 7.5 million as the model, then okay, because we just saw a defenseman in Truva sign for 8 million. If you're talking about percentage of cap, which uh, which was uh, Ekblad, you know what Ekblad's percentage of cap was when he signed that deal, then that's about 9 million because it's because the cap has gone up. So I it, it depends on what they mean by that. Anthony's killing it in the chat room, by the way. Is in a really good combination that is playing together in the NHL right now that played in juniors, Hall and Henrique. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, right? I mean, they are they. Henrique's on Anaheim now. Right. Well, but for a little while, they did play together, correct? Yes. For a little while. Obviously, Henrique's on Anaheim now. Yes, we do know that. I haven't forgotten everything about hockey. Um, <laughs> but for a second, I did there for a second. I'm like, yeah, because I was so excited that they actually played together in juniors. Um, all right. Are the Islanders still trying to move Letty? Yes. And, uh, have been for a really long time and I don't know that they're going to be able to. Okay, let's, let's, let's take a time out on that. If they move Nick Letty, you know, Dobson's still a year or two away. Who exactly is playing top power play? 
Johnny Boychuk? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it says, right. it's nice to say you're moving Nick Letty, but who are you putting there? You know who it is? It's Pulak. That's who they're putting. They're putting the big booming shot from the point. Yeah, I don't know if he's ready to do that yet. I think he's close, and I love the shot. Don't get me wrong. I've, you know, I've always talked about Pulak. I don't think he's ready yet. Is this true that Randy, our um, famous flamester in the uh, chat room, says that Monahan and Gaudreau played together in juniors? Is that true? Um, I don't know. Gaudreau's oh, in U.S. Boston College. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think so, yeah. Come on, flamester. It's the flame. Maybe he's just thinking we were doing combinations. Oh, but, yeah. right. Jeez. What's going I didn't on? think they did. I mean, so I guess the best one in the NHL right now would be... Um, Debrinka. Yeah. Debrinka, a- yeah. And that was awesome. Wasn't that also the Erie team? Is that right? That was Erie. Yeah. That Erie Otters team, man. That was like that ridiculous, right? I mean, oh, that's wow. just like that team was crazy, crazy, crazy good. Um, all right, all right. There you have it. Um, oh, Giroux and Paul Byron. That's true. In in juniors, remember Paul Byron and Giroux were really a big combination in juniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that they've never even sniffed the ice together. I don't think they've played an all star game together. But the thing about that that always fascinates me is when Paul Byron actually does do better than people ever expect him to do as a scorer when he plays. You know, like he has these moments oh, when he's. I, just- I actually, it's funny. I, I have him on my fantasy team and I re upped him twice on short term deals because I like him. He's a fan. Yeah, I really think that that's a, I mean, that if I was the Flyers, that's somebody I would have looked at somehow. No, I think it's going to go the other way. Someday the Canadians will look to bring Giroux there. That's probably what will happen. That's possible. What's the Canadians' desperation factor, guys, before we leave? Uh, the fact that, the fact that their, their fans will burn down the Bell Center if they don't win? No, you know what? I honestly, I got to tell you, I think right now um, Bergevin has done such a good job. I think he has tempered expectations in, in, in Montreal. I agree with you. I think they're like – Dead in the middle. I don't think they're too high. I or think too that, yeah, I think that they. No one expected them to compete for a playoff spot. The fact that they did compete for a playoff spot yeah. and only missed by four points. See, I, I think in part the whole Aho deal was to show the Montreal fans that he was trying to do something. But the problem is he made out an offer that there was no way that Carolina wasn't going to match. So in the end, it was sort of Kabuki theater. Yeah. Um, He's got, you know, he's nah. struck out in a number of ways. He couldn't even get an interview with John Tavares when he was a They're still, though, they're still very much in on Patrick Line, and I'm telling you that's not going away, and it's going to be interesting to how that plays out. I'm just saying up to this point, Ak, they've struck out on every opportunity to get themselves a number one or a number two center. Kutkinyemi may be that in a couple of years, but we're talking about how they're addressing that externally and not internally. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, uh, all the time we have here, we had thought we had nothing to talk about. We ran long. There you go, guys. Um, we appreciate it, as always, for uh, watching the show. Do us a favor. Um, go to patreon.com slash hockey. Um, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hockey. And support the show, if you would, because we're trying to decide. And we also kind of want to do something. I want to ask you guys an opinion, you know, your opinion out there in the chat room and, and throw it into the message board as well on here. We're talking about the summer and we've always tried to do as many shows as possible. And we were talking about whether we should do three shows or five shows a week. Um, and we just kind of want to know what your opinion is on that. And um, if you want us to keep doing five shows, um, you know, help out with Patreon. That would be good. We really appreciate that because it would just be a way of showing us that you want to, you want us to keep doing this Patreon, by the way, for those who don't under, don't know about patreon.com um, someone in the chat room, just, just as you can do it, you do pay via PayPal. That is for sure. 
Um, and so Patreon is a way to support independent content providers. Like, so we are an independent content provider and it's just a way of, you can, you can pledge a per month or per show or per week. Um, it can be any, like a dollar a month would be anything at all. would be just fantastic. Um, it, it helps make, it helps us, you know, helps, you know, me pay Mike and Russ something, which would be good. Um, cause they deserve all the, they deserve all the money on this cause they work their balls off here. Um, and I, I would like to, you know, we'd like to be able to do more with the show too. So patreon.com slash hockey and, uh, go there and we will, you know, we, the more, more interest we get there, the more we can do with it too. So help us out, help us out there. We really appreciate it. Um, otherwise, you know, it's just, uh, you, you're stealing the show basically. If you're not doing that, you're, um, you're taking something for nothing. You're stealing the show, living off of other people. So we, and we don't appreciate that, you know, taking the show for free. We are just obviously kidding. Um, does Russ the chicken get paid? No. Russ the chicken diverts all of his money into a special college fund for later. Um, Russ the chicken does not get paid. Remember without the buzz, folks, it is just hockey. So you guys, you guys still want us to do five shows a week? I mean, you guys are into that. Let us know. Okay. Let us know. And let us know in the comments as to what you want. And because um, we really appreciate that. Yeah, we could take the show on the road if we got enough support. That's absolutely true. Something we like to. Well, might go on a date with a dude. Someone asks. Um, <sighs> depends on the money. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No, no not for no, Mike's pretty good. Mike's Mike's got so many women he's b battling off. You know, you got to really be careful, Mike. You just okay. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>